Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Back everybody to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode six oh five. Going to recap the week in NFBC Fab. Talk about some recent news, some savant slash playing time information from a playing time expert, and much much more. You can find myself on Twitter at BDentric and my guest, as he is most weeks on the early mm. week show on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. Mike Curlin, how are we doing, my friend? Never call me an expert again, please. Well, what would you like I me to call that. you? What would you like me to call you? Because the things I, I can call you would probably get me taken off the air. So, I mean, I prefer any of those. Also, <laughs> anal, analyst is preferred. <laughs> Emphasis on the, slip. Yeah, yeah. Just, just so we're clear. But yeah, at the end of the day, though, I, I hate being called an expert. I think it's the most cliche term because at the end of the day, we all really are. I, I mean, how many times can I say at the end of the day? Let's see, that's three now. I'll keep it going. They brought Lazardo back out. Oh my god, he's been awful. Okay, yeah, sorry. You guys, you, you guys should have heard the first like twenty minutes before we recorded. He was just, just going full Lazardo on us, so it's good. Well, it's, that and Aaron Rodgers on a on a cart, so it's a fun start care, to the. Evening. I don't care so much about that, and I'm see it's weird because Lazardo is like hitting the spots but when he misses. He's missing really badly, and that's what's crushing him. It's just frustrating to watch. I don't know because he's also getting a lot of help by the ump. He's the, he's getting like, every close call near the zone. He's getting the call for. So any worse is what you're saying. Oh yeah, he got bailed out big time in the first. He uh he started off 0-2 against Canna, Canna, however you say it, Mark and Connor. then uh turned around and gave up a home run to him by the end of the at bat after starting off 0-2, and then he went on to walk the next two. Got two called strikes against Adamas, one being a called strike three with a full count, which would have loaded the bases, and then proceeded to get a double play ball after that, and he got out of the first with only one run. And then it's been a bunch of that sense. Like, he he loads the, he loaded the bases last and then got out of it after giving up a couple runs, but it's like he's, like, so many stranded batters, but also just such just terrible pitching tonight. Anyway, I'm done ranting because, uh, of course, right. I'm watching. We have three weeks left. We're actually technically less than three weeks in the books uh, left yes. now, Bubba. Yep. And uh, two fab periods to go, two fab periods, three weeks, and high stress because I'm fighting for first in my main event, and that's all. Yeah, you've made a bit of a comeback lately. Maybe I not did. for the overall so much, but your league hey, hey, hey. is starting to do your thing. If I get fifty, po- I did, I did the math. Fifty points a week, which is actually very doable. If I can average fifty points gained per week in the overall standings, I can get back into the top thirty and get some of that extra overall cash. That's a, so, that's a pretty solid return. 
I stalling. think, I, and I, but the, the biggest takeaway is I like I could still lose my league, but I I feel very confident in cashing. Fourth place is nine points out, so it would take a big collapse for me to lose nine points. I think. Yeah, we'll see. Like it's crazy in the twelves that I'm in, and even in some of the DCs, and it, it's just there's still a lot of movement every day. Um, and it's it's very very interesting to watch take place, but uh, it'll be a fun fun few weeks here, fun grind, mm-hmm. and we're still here. Yep, we are still here banging it out. Let's um, let's talk That's about a couple of, a couple of things here. Chris Bryant was activated off the IL, kind of surprising fashion on Monday, like, like CJ Crone type of thing, you know? Yeah, kind like the, the Rockies thing. are great at you know conveying their news to their beat writers or their beat writers aren't. I don't know. I'm going to blame the Rockies on this one. <laughs> Do they have any beat writers left? Yeah, Who wants yeah, to? They might have got they might have got traded to LA too. They got uh, and then they got waived, and now they're in Ohio. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing here, and it's something you mentioned because, well, you cover this stuff very well, called playing time with Chris Bryant coming back. Like while he was gone, and then Crone was gone, and Gritchick was gone, you got all these young kids playing. And at worst, it makes it entertaining. Like Goodman's really been taken off. Uh, no one's touching our boy, the GOAT, Nolan Jones. Like leave him alone. That's fine. He's in but, tonight. Like, but, but you got, like I said, you got Doyle, who's just been garbage, but plays. Goodman's out there. Um, they got Bryant penciled in at first base, which means Montero, who's been playing pretty regularly, might get the, the kibosh on that one. What's your thoughts on this PT situation? Because Bryant was dropped in a ton of leagues, I'm pretty positive. So you're going to be able to grab him this weekend if you want. Um, you won't be able to use him this week, obviously, but 14 of the final 20 games are in Coors, which is always a plus. So how do you kind of see this situation shaking out? So... When it comes to the Rockies, it's a mess. And it's frustrating because tonight was a lefty, right? Goodman is a righty and Goodman sat tonight. But I do know that I do know that um is a Montero Montero usually gets the lefties. Goodman has been getting the righties and even I don't know. I actually meant to go back and look. And I could probably do it on the fly because I always do this on the fly. But um, just how many lefties? I know he hasn't faced a lot of lefties. I know he's only faced two out of the last five Goodman has, but I don't know how many lefties he's actually been up. To face does that make sense? Like I don't know. Yeah, why would they sit so, him though as a righty versus the lefties? I'm confused by that. That part. So I don't. That's why I'm saying I'm not sure how many lefties he has faced. Like my, you know, the 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 cheat sheet shows me how many lefties a player has faced out of the last five. Yeah. But I don't know. But if I haven't been tracking how many lefties he's faced since he's come up, it might have only been two for two. You know what I mean? So for me, for right now, I'm not exactly sure. That's why I say I gotta check. But and um, I'll be able to check actually while we're talking because I'm good at that. But at the end of the day, Goodman's the one who takes the seat tonight against the lefty. Montero crushes lefties, and that's why he's in. I'm surprised Blackman's in. Honestly, I think Blackman's in tonight, right? Last I looked. Uh, and yes, that's the one that makes no sense to me. Maybe they don't. Maybe they just need the outfielder. But um, if anything, you would think lefties. You would see Blackman go back to platooning. Montero. I don't know if they can get Goodman and Montero unless they put Bryant in the outfield. But maybe they don't want to risk Bryant's help. Because Bryant to the outfield, Montero to first base, and Blackman to the bench against a lefty would have made way more sense to me. Unless they are going back to, unless they're going to putting a Goodman as a strong side platoon with Montero. But at the end of the day, Montero and Bouchard were the two guys that were getting playing time entering the week. That were like, hey, these are guys like one dollar pickups. Grab them, see where it goes. Montero got the start tonight, but I don't know if I'm confident in him getting anything getting righties regularly right now i know yeah. brian's gonna need rest and all that but brian's gonna play every day or just about every day you're gonna have blackman still factoring in against righties at the very least but again he's playing against lefties tonight so that's not exactly a good sign it's not what we want to see so i think it's i think goodman and montero become very very iffy uh so yeah so since goodman came up goodman, goodman made his debut on the 27th um that would be the 27th uh, yep, yeah, he's only he's faced two out of three lefties. So this would be the second lefty out of 
four that he hasn't started against. So I don't know if he's he was in a platoon exactly, but it's one of those things where I don't. So I don't know what to think. And like you mentioned, he's a righty. So Goodman, we're watching. Ontario, we're also watching because obviously one of those something's got to give between the two. Uh, Bouchard was like non-existent before, uh, before, uh, and then Doyle came back. I guess Doyle was nicked up, even though the reports weren't there for it. And uh, so, at the end of the day, it's really Montero and Goodman might be out of spots. So yeah, just keep. It's unfortunate because we're entering a really strong stretch of of, of matchups for the Rockies. You know, I've, I think I've said it on this show twice now, and I know I've tweeted it. And it's fourteen out of the final twenty games are in Colorado. You want. You want those players and a couple guys you were probably streaming for a buck or so. And a guy like me, where I've had Goodman on my team for like two or three weeks now, on my 15, and he's been performing. And that's the thing, he's been performing. So yeah, I'm hoping Goodman's just been really good. Yeah. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping he's just getting a, rest, a day of rest that happens to coincide with everything. I'm hoping. Why would you rest him versus a lefty? I'm confused. I'm, I don't know. I don't know. He's going to Rockies, I guess. Yeah. I mean, reverse splits, maybe. I don't know. Is that a thing? Because it's really not a thing. So it shouldn't be a thing, especially with that sample size. It ain't that large. He hasn't been around that long. To, and it's another like rookie and Jordan Wicks getting his debut in Coors. That's usually never a good thing. So. I just think it's uh, one of those things where I, I just don't understand. I, it's the Rockies, and I'm hoping, again, I'm hoping it's a one-day thing. I know Brian's going to get regular rest. Blackman will get rest. So these guys will still play, but which one takes the bigger hit? I would, If I had to guess, I would say Montero, but I'm not confident in that just because we've seen them move away from Montero so quickly in the past. Even though Montero's hitting very well right now, he can easily go right back into weak side platooning and spelling the guys as needed on the infield slash DH. So uh, he's who I think is going to get a uh, – gonna get and people someone asked me about nolan jones you mentioned it he's he's set and forget he's batting third tonight with chris bryant back with blackman in Gore, and against glorious. and and against glorious. the lefty and against the lefty Such so an yes. amazing human being just a, a special if, if i win i already decided if i win if i win my main event my league i'm getting his jersey signed i'm putting i'm gonna get a signed jersey and just i'm gonna hang it it's gonna happen he's he's yeah. the guy he's the, him and mccormick i might get two jerseys do you remember do you remember when they first called him up he was on the team for like a week and never even played yeah, they I know. Triple A, but then he came back up and plays played every day now and has 15 homers and 13 steals in 86 games. Can you imagine if he played a full season? We're talking that's almost 30, 30 folks. It's we're like we're 30, talking 35 right there. Like the most exciting player since Trevor Story, and that's the thing. I remember that's why it's why it's like I don't know. Like next year he's gonna be like he's probably gonna be like a what sixth, seventh round pick next year probably give or take mm-hmm. maybe give maybe take. maybe later. Maybe I don't later. know because he didn't go is, he didn't go in the first seven rounds of our DC we started. And I, I think I would like him. I'll take if he falls beyond the seventh. I think I'm taking him there. I don't know if I want to make him one of my first because the way I draft and build 15 teamers, Nolan Jones isn't a guy I want as my first three hitters. He's just well, not. There's, there's the floor is too low. I know his the skill set. If you're just if you're betting on skill set and cores and playing time, he has the three checks those boxes. Um, but I don't know like those strikeouts have to catch up to him because he's just oh, overly yeah. patient. 32% K rate that, that's gonna get you eventually. He's overly patient. It's it's but the thing the reason why I'm optimistic is because it's more of a passive reasoning than it is swing and miss. There is swing and miss. He does have an above average uh, whiff rate and above average uh, swing and strike rate if memory serves. So there is some swing and miss there. But those plus skills like the plus speed and plus power, the quality is pretty solid. And then um, the barrel rates. The dude yeah. the dude averages like a fifteen percent barrel rate for his career. I mean, small sample so far in a career, but. Um, that quality of contact and all that can really help you outproduce your underlying metrics and help ele- elevate your bit when you pair it with cores. So he's going to become a guy that I think you're going to draft knowing that the road splits can maybe decline the numbers a little bit, but a guy that should still be rather solid, maybe hit closer to 250 most years than the 300 or whatever he's close to right now. But um, 
Yeah, like at the end of the day, it's enticing about him. He's only twenty five too. He can. Still, oh, I love. He, yeah. he can learn play discipline at that age. Like, that's wasn't still, he also a top prospect at one point too? Oh yeah, and the Guardians did a great job of letting him go. So yeah, they, they have it's, a trend in that department. But that's the thing when a guy, ha- and that's why I'm with you. I think when it comes to a guy cutting down, swing and miss, I want a guy who has a very patient approach. A guy who's able to maybe have the ability to see a strike in a ball. You know what I mean? And I think that's what he has, given the walk rates, given the. Uh, the, the lack of chase rate and all that. I think Nolan Jones has that ability. So I think if you're right, you're right. If I, but the problem is I don't trust the Rockies, Rockies to develop them. I don't trust yeah. the Rockies to develop them properly. Well, on the bright side is, you know, let me but check. I, 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 got his, I got his, well, we love him. Um, <laughs> yeah, love he's, he's, oh, he's our eligible starting in 26. So we see he keeps crushing like this. They'll eventually have to trade him because they won't even pay him his hard money. So we're good there. Um, so I guess another couple of years in Coors, then he'll go to a team that might be able to really – help him take off in a big way, but we'll see. We thought with Nolan Jones. So yeah, everyone keep an eye on the Chris Bryant situation with the playing time and Coors where you might've picked up some people in fab this week and things might be a little different when you're looking at it in the long run. Some fun with the Chicago Cubs. They called up one of their top prospects, Pete Crow Armstrong. Uh, For those of you that didn't know the, the joke during the draft was his mom was the mom in little big league. Well, that's a meme all over uh, Twitter again these days. So that's fun. But um, what I wanted to mention here is Pete Crow, since he got promoted to AAA on August 1st, was hitting 271, six homers, 10 stolen bases, really good speed guy, bit of power, not in the starting lineup on Monday in Coors. I'll say that much. It was lefty-lefty, so maybe they said we're going to have him in a platoon role, something to monitor. But if uh, if he's available, which he'll be in every league, Curland. I'm kind of interested having a guy like Pete Crow Armstrong because like Jordan Lawler hasn't really panned out in a small sample. A lot of these guys outside of Jason Dominguez, like I'd say Ronnie Mauricio has been decent. It really hasn't been great of late. Let's put it that way. Great of late. It just rhymed. And you don't um, have to, and you don't have time to wait of late when it's great. No. Not great. Either. And somebody was it uh Cubby Knoll uh, on Twitter met, like retweeted or quote tweeted a so like I guess Ross was mentioning playing him pretty much like not pretty much suggested that he won't be an everyday player. Right. So you're already limiting playing time, not being an everyday player. When you're not an everyday player, you, uh, at this point, at this point, at this point of the season, you have to be elite or prove that you're going to, I understand the upsides there, but in weekly formats, I have zero interest in him. Probably if he show, if he flashes this week and plays like four out of five, sure. But I don't know if we're going to, get that type of playing time out of them because look how they just treated Can- uh, Canario, whatever his name is. I think it was Canario. And uh, they just, he was up and he did nothing. And this is a guy that came up with like a lot, like was flashing in the minors, really running hot and they just never played him. And I know Pete Armstrong might be the, uh, might be the bigger prospect and the better and the bigger name, but why would they, where are they going to play him too? You start looking at this team and they might have a spot and they should have a spot for him, but, the team has just been producing as is, so I don't know. It's it's been weird. Ross hasn't really been. And look at Morell. Morell was like, uh, um, you couldn't take him out of the lineup, but now he's barely playing. He's playing like twice a week. So it's one oh. of those things where I don't really know what to expect with this team. But I don't know if Pete Cromford is going to have a regular spot. In the, and in the, it, the, it makes sense lineup. that he wouldn't be regular because if they wanted him regular, they would have brought him up before the first, so he could be playoff eligible. Uh, even True. like if he if he plays well now, he's still not eligible for the postseason. So it makes sense, I guess, to add up as a platoon guy, maybe even as a pinch runner yeah. to steal some bags late in the game. Um, Defensive yeah, replacement, maybe? Exactly. Like, because Seiya Suzuki's not coming out. 
Uh, Ian Happ, probably not coming out. It's Talkman, but they're both lefties. Like Talkman, because he's slowed down a lot of late. Which like Talkman was coming. Yeah, that was a, it was inevitable. But uh, he'd be the guy, I would imagine. It's just, you know, when does that happen? Maybe Talkman or someone goes to DH, Candyman goes to third, Madrigal sits. Like there's lots of, there's moving parts, which is nice. But it's just how does it all take place? We'll have to keep an eye on it because looking at the regular starting nine, there's really nowhere for Pete Crow Armstrong right now. And that makes it kind of tricky in the grand scheme of things. So it'll be fun to watch, but I'm with Curlin. I'm probably like, I've been hesitant with any of these guys. Jason Domingos was awesome, obviously, UCL injury, but um, it's, I haven't really been in much of these prospects because, like I said, it's, time is so limited. I don't have time to wait for them to figure it out. Like, I need to, if I'm adding a person for next week, they need to play next week. I can't wait for those situations to unfold. So that's what makes it tricky. Real quick. Uh, why I mentioned Jason Dominguez, obviously torn UCL, going to miss a lot of the start of 2024. Time will vary on that situation. For these final weeks, not curling, Jason Dominguez was hitting third every day for the Yankees. He was hitting well. Uh, the team was playing well, not just because of him, but just overall playing like DJ LeMay. He's all of a sudden hitting. They were Torres is having a great year. Judge is doing his thing. How do you kind of see this? Is it back to Jake Bowers' time if, he, if you have any interest there? Or how do you kind of play out the playing time that is now available with Jason Dominguez out? Um, <laughs> it's probably going to end up being something stupid like that. Something – I don't even know if I'm interested at this point. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what to necessarily anticipate. I'm pulling up the chart right now because, uh, of course, why not? Why try to guess at it when you have something to look at, right? It was exactly. postponed – the game was postponed tonight, so we really didn't see a lineup. Uh, you know, should Stanton, have been a, There should have been a lineup out, though. I wonder if it was out. I just missed it. Uh, Praza I'll, I'll look was – Praza was uh, out last game. Bowers started two righties ago. Dominguez missed last game. Who got the playing time? Oswald, oh, Oswaldo Cabrera got the playing time last Ooh. game against a righty. Uh, so, like, last game, Cabrera was in. That, and that gave him two out of three. That gave him three straight righties, too. So, it's one of those things where he might be platooning. So, maybe he platoons with somebody or just gets run down the stretch here because the team isn't obviously not competing. So, why not let Cabrera get some reps? But Oswaldo Cabrera looks like he might be in for some playing time, and Bowers could probably factor as well. But Cabrera seems like the guy that's standing out among the names that aren't everyday guys that could become everyday guys. Yeah, I'm not actually seeing a Yankees lineup. I'm surprised. Even when there's rainouts, they usually release one in hopes of games. That must that was pretty telling them that they thought the game would not happen. So not even put a lineup out there uh, on the game time. So Platoon, it sounds like from you, which means no fun for us when it comes to potential streaming situations. Shohei Otani, by the way, not playing again, has not played yeah, since scratched. the unfolded. It's just every day it's like they hope he's going to play, and then he's scratched every single day. We're almost a week into it now. So that's fun stuff. Um, a couple Sometimes other... they just let Lazardo come back for the fifth. He gave two more runs because, you know, this is Why just not? One... this is like that night where they let Braxton Bar- – uh, not Braxton Barrios. Wow, wrong Garrett. sport now. Just to eat all the runs. <laughs> Just eat 11 runs in like four innings or something against Atlanta. I want to ask you, because it's been asked in our Discord a lot, and I've had other people ask me on other shows, what's your thoughts on this Mason Miller thing? Like, he's going to pitch around 50 pitches, they've said. They just want to get some major league innings under his arm. They're not worried about longevity in the games. Uh, he came out and actually started on um, on Monday in Houston and through three innings now, Miller went two innings, one hit, one walk, three Ks. He threw 45 pitches. So that's kind of what you're expecting down the stretch here. I was hoping he'd be like in the fourth and fifth innings. You have a random chance at a win. 
But does Mason Miller interest you for the fact that he should get you strikeouts, maybe not crush your ratios, but that's about all he can offer for you? That's exactly what you're getting him for. Nothing more, nothing less. You want Mason Miller for strikeouts and ratio help down the stretch if you don't need to chase wins. He is very team build specific because you're not getting wins. You're getting two categories out of five. And like my team could probably take that on. Cause uh, but it's but I'm not chasing K's, I'm chasing wins and uh and saves more than anything with but the ratio help would be welcomed. But yeah, it's one of those things where but it's tough because you also think about it that he's limited to one outing a week. So what three innings at most a week? So it's very, yeah, very limited. It, if you're lucky, it's three innings, five K's, and that's all you're getting. So I'm more likely to not even bother because at least with relief pitchers, you can get that while also getting them in high leverage situations where they can sneak a save or a win. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I want to ask you real quick about John Means. He's going to make his debut on Tuesday after the injury situation. So he's back. Uh, his last two rehab outings, he went five innings in most of them, faced 21 batters his last time. Uh, over his entire rehab stint, 21 innings, uh, nine earned runs, so 374 ERA, 22 strikeouts, and eight walks, which is not horrible, but not the walks you like a little less. What's your interest in a guy like John Means? He, the thing is, he's stretched out in theory, or as close as he's going to get, but he's still coming back from a pretty serious injury. So do you have any interest in John Means going forward? No, I just, what do you expect? I mean, again, it goes oh, back to, do, we don't have time to like, if there's nobody else, if you can get him for cheap spec on him, I guess. But what are the odds that like, what if he's held to like a few, like four or five innings, uh, he's not gonna be a strikeout guy. He could help with ratios means could maybe sneak a win in because of the good team context. But I don't really know what to expect, nor do I have expectations. I feel like means his value comes from being more of a compiler type anyway. And there's no real time to compile. So he's in that streamer discussion for deeper formats, but like anything shallower than 15s, I don't think there's much there for means, honestly. Edward Alzale went on the IL shortly before we recorded, probably about two hours before we recorded, kind of a surprise. Like, where did that come from? Alzale thing. He's been absolutely amazing. Uh, I just want to bring it up because Merriweather got the save on Sunday. Maybe that was part of it. That was Merriweather's third straight day pitching um, in, in the bullpen. You know, Lighters had his moments. Fulmer, he's coming off the IL, so he could be someone. I think it's the Merriweather game. What kind of interest do you have there? Because Alzale was amazing. Going to the IL for 15 days, that's almost the rest of the season when we look at this whole thing. So Merriweather should be the dude, in my opinion. What are your thoughts? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's someone else worth looking at in Chicago. Um, no, I think it's Merriweather. I think Merriweather getting the last opportunity kind of speaks to where they're at with him, I would think. And he has the strikeout stuff. We've seen him actually do uh, close games in the past for at least for a brief period. I remember chasing that and then the injury or whatever. But uh, yeah, I think Merriweather is kind of the guy right now, and you roll with it until other they prove otherwise. But at the end of the day, we'll see what happens because, you, like you said, they can go. We've seen them go fifteen different directions before they finally settle on a guy. So. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. But they're playing well. So they're, I think there will be safe chances. Yeah, so keep an eye on that scenario. It can be fun. Um, let's talk about Curlin does an updated like page, uh, on the Patreon with baseball savant and playing time and different things he sees every few days or whatever. Kind of some highlights, some teams and whatnot. Usually some players from each team, depending on what's going on. So I'm going to cherry pick from his recent article he posted on the ninth, which was Saturday. 
and just kind of get his thoughts on some of these players. It's a lot of the stuff we already talk about on the show. Usually if we highlight some of the guys or he tweets out, if he's tweeting things out, it's because he probably just looked that up on Savant. So just know that he's doing his research, and that's why he's got all that amazing data that he tweets out there. So I'm just going to, like I said, cherry pick it here and go through it. I'm going to start with Yuri Perez because I saw you tweet about him. And then in your article here, you're talking about his velo down across the board. Um, he's off, and you even said his word for word, and it's very clear he's not the same pitcher since he's kind of returned. It, 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 he isn't. He's not even close to that dominant pitcher he was before. Could be, you know, he's just wearing down on the season. Could be a lot of factors. When you dug in on Yuri Perez, what are you what are you seeing there? Because as long as the Marlins are in the race, they said they're going to keep pitching him. And right now they're still in the race. I don't see them falling far enough out till the end of the season. So I think he's going to get at least three more starts out there. So what's your thoughts on Yuri Perez as a guy down the stretch here that's not – I don't know if he's an automatic anymore. You're, you're probably starting him if you got him, but it's not as warm and fuzzy as it once was. Yeah, because he's at what? Like, So he did 77 innings last year, and this year he's already at – what 120 ish give or yeah, take he's pretty much past what you'd want him to he's, he's at that so, limit right about now i think what we're seeing here is simply fatigue kicking in i mean the, the nationals aren't the easiest matchup they'd be a little pesky and the phillies you know the phillies are hitting so uh but what's the the, the bigger concern the velo is one thing maybe again that can be explained by fatigue you know new season new career high in innings plus if they're trying to make the playoffs and if they do make the playoffs then you have to worry about any uh, playoffs playoff innings right so with that said, I'm looking at uh, Yuri Perez, three walks in each of the last two outings, so six walks total to, to nine strikeouts in two in, in over just about ten just about ten innings. But we're talking back to back back to back outings with five innings or less, back to back outings with three walks or or three walks each. It's been rough going after the couple of good outings he had right before that. So it's weird because it's like been up and down, up and down since his return. Because he actually has out his out of his six. That was the thing out of his uh, six starts since returning. Uh, three of them have gone below, uh, gone for less than five innings. One of them gone for five innings, and then two of them for six. The two six inning outings were really solid. So I still think there's a solid pitcher in there for uh, in terms of Yuri Perez. But you start taking notes of like the walks being a thing. All of a sudden, he's not he's not as dominant. The velo took a dip. That was the first time the velo was dipped. Like it was last outing, by the way. So it's like one of those things that more so like, hey, we're making a benchmark. Like this velo, ha- this velo dip happened. Let's see what happens next outing. And we're kind of going from there type of thing. So. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of all I'm trying to do here. And sorry, now I'm trying to figure out. Now I'm trying not to figure out about Woodruff because Woodruff just walks somebody after you up a hit. Now there's two on to start the ending with no outs. For the, sweat, the, the live sweating from Curlin really begins. Every um, like, I, I've been so good about not like overdoing it on baseball, trying not to kill myself. But like three weeks left, and my team is competing, and we're talking, you know, like a big season. And in terms of like finish the finish, and so yeah, I'm all I'm back on all eyes on baseball, and that's all I care about with every waking breath. <laughs> for sure oh, um, they pulled sunny gray in the fifth what the hell we don't have to go too deep on this i just want to highlight it because we talked about mark vientos last week and we were nervous because i still he, was, he, he wasn't facing righties but now he's faced uh righties in two of the last four um after just one See? of the previous three are you buying into vientos getting more regular playing time i don't know anymore like he he's, actually... in, he's in monday's lineup tonight against another righty yeah, that's why. So it makes them two, makes two out of three, and that actually gives them a three out of four. At, but before that, it was like one out of three, and then mm-hmm. it, before before yesterday, it was two out of four. So I'm like, what's going on here? What, like, there's they're not hinting towards what they want to do with them. It's aggravating. Brett Beatty's become an everyday player, even though he hasn't really done nothing to deserve it. But like, they shouldn't be giving Vantos days off right now. They should just let him play consistently, and they're not. And Siri is on the floor in pain after it looks like a hit by pitch. 
That's not good. Uh, if, you guys, Sorry. if you guys can keep track of what's going on on this show by the end, you're, you guys are smarter than I. Um, I want to ask you about Travis Blankenhorn of the Washington Nationals. When you wrote this article, he played in five straight games, including versus lefties. He's hitting fourth or fifth every day for Washington. Uh, he's got one homer, but he's walking in 15.4% and striking out 15.4%, which is nice. And in the minors this year, he was hitting 262 with 23 home runs, no steals. But there's a lot of pop in that bat. Uh, maybe he was, he might have been added. I haven't looked at the uh, overall ad drops for the week. But is Blankenhorn a guy that was of interest to you or maybe some more streaming in the final weeks of the season? I think he's more in that DFS conversation okay. because uh, just because if you're chasing, he's batting fourth or fifth last three uh, times out. He did sit against a lefty after starting against the last lefty, so maybe he wasn't. Maybe he's not quite getting that regular run that he might have. They might have hinted towards him getting. But regardless, he's still strong side platoon bat batting in the middle of the order. So that's why I'm like, that fits more of the DFS mold and or deeper leagues. If say uh, this week, I think they had six out of seven against righties. Then yeah, he was a stream. He could have been a streamer this week, just given the fact that he's likely playing six games, um, likely playing six games out of the seven. And that's kind of that, 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 that plays up and, you know, we're, we're chasing some stats. So uh, yeah, that's about it there with him. I don't want to overdo it. Not, he's not yeah, worth that but- much time. Yeah, the Nats are interesting. He said they're pesky. They they, they 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 do have some fancy viability, especially in deeper formats, but especially in DFS. I've done that a lot with the, the Nats getting some value mini stacks, especially when Candyman was there. That was really fun, but he's obviously in Chicago. Cincinnati Reds, they've been a platoon nightmare for fantasy managers for the last couple of weeks, and it only got worse on Sunday because Jonathan India came back and Joey Votto came back. They both hit home runs on Sunday, so they just like stamped their hey, we're back moment real quick. If you look at roster resource, they have five players platooning right now. And that's obviously not the staple, but Will Benson, we've already always known that. And this just makes it even a bigger platooning situation there. Votto could be Nick Martini's obviously. I'm surprised he's still playing after they picked up um, Bader and Renfro. Yeah, Friedel. You got so basically the whole outfield is in a platoon situation. And, you know, you got McLean's on the IL, which helped out a little bit, but there's a lot going on here, Curlin. How do you deal with this when it comes to um you know, fancy this week they don't play in Great American Small Park. Next week they do play in Great American Small Park, which is nice. Like I dropped Will Benson this week, and we'll talk about our ad drops. And I'm like, I, if I can pick him up next week, I will. But also, I haven't even looked at the matchups. If they a lot of lefties, it's probably pointless. So, what's your outlook on this red situation, which we used to love because you want every aspect of this offense, especially at home. And right now, it is very, very difficult to roster some of these. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. 
But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. And yeah, and then you have Jonathan India getting back into the mix too. So it's just another another factor. But like right now, Fraley's playing against every righty. Dela Cruz, an everyday player. Spencer Steers, an everyday player. CES, I wonder what happens there. He has sat against two of the last four I'd imagine him righties. and Votto. I'd imagine him and Votto probably share. Because C- so CES might lose. He's already trending in the wrong direction if you look at his. Because the problem is they just face back-to-back lefties uh, Friday, Saturday. So mm-hmm. that kind of hides CES's playing time a little bit if you don't realize, if you don't look. Because he, he did play the two righties leading, leading into the weekend. So two out of the but he sat. He sat yesterday, a Sunday against a righty, and I was with Votto back in the lineup, as well as um, what's his face back in the lineup? Um, India, India, yeah, India batting seventh, Votto sixth. They both they both, they both went deep though. They did, and of course, India's not on my team anymore because why would he be after not playing last month? But anyway, I digress. Uh, but yeah, so CES is kind of like if you with the playing time, I would definitely keep an eye on that. I wouldn't get my hopes up there. And then you have. Uh, Friedel, who's starting to lose playing time against lefties, as you mentioned, Benson. Bader's a lefty. Uh, Bader and Renfro are weak side platoon guys. Noelle Marte with the with the broken nose could be a thing. Like could be an issue. Could be, lose that playing yeah. time there, especially now with India back. They could. They honestly have a. They have someone to fill in. Maybe CES can stay playing more often with uh, Marte out or something. I don't know. Maybe they can figure that out. Spencer Steer moves to the, somewhere. I don't know. We'll figure everything will work out. Is kind of what I'm getting at, but yeah, the, the Martini thing is weird. The fact that he's keeping a strong side platoon. Yeah, I figured um, he would be but, gone the second Renfro and company came and just open up roster spots. He, he did sit. He did sit one of the last three against righties. So his playing time, he might be one of those guys where it's like five out of six righties. So it's already limited for being in a platoon. On top of being limited, now it's gonna be he'll, he'll be the guy who gets the odd day off against a righty too. So I don't know if there's much viability there anyway. And then this week they face like three or four lefties as well. So this week's already a mess. Like for all, for pretty much this, unless it's unless your name is De La Cruz, Spencer Steer, and maybe Jonathan India, I would say like the rest of this lineup is tough to suggest this week. So it's really a period by period, week by week basis for these guys. Yeah, something to monitor. Two weeks, uh, two weeks of fab to to really figure that I'll one out here. I don't have. I really want to ask you this one because I've been, I'll give my thoughts as well. But Tyler O'Neill, you put playing time is still inconsistent, only three of the last five right handed pitchers, and he sat two of the last three. And then tonight um, he sat against one, too, I think. Uh, yes, he did. And this is why I wanted to ask you because I have him in a lot of leagues. I He's a drop. Either, I either held him or I picked him up when he first came back situation. And I have not been starting him regularly. Like, I think I, I sat him first half of last week, and then I played him in Great American Small Park. And then it's like it's just one of those where it's just been hit and miss situations. Whenever I sit him, he gets a home run. That's a fact. Whenever I start him, he probably sits. And that's how it seems to work. You think he's a drop. You're going full-on drop Tyler O'Neill. 
format dependent, but in a 12, if you're, you can't afford to roster a guy who's not startable. When are you ever going to feel confident starting him without an injury right now? Sure. Uh, that's my, that's my thing. Cause uh, we're talking once, like you said, one righty out of the last three and two out of the last five. Now that's, that's an issue. Like you don't, that's not, that's the guy that's like, he's not in a full, full platoon, but it's almost like he's the fourth outfielder against righties and gets all the lefties. So I don't understand. I don't understand why. I don't understand why Alec Burleson needs that playing time over him. I don't understand why Richie Palacios is even getting at bats right now. But well, O'Neill's always been in the doghouse. It feels like, and it's just more proof of yeah. it right now. Why would you not play him every day? See what you got. I mean, you know what you got, but like let him get those reps because he's unless he's not part of your future. But then you're not really helping yourself with its trade value by not letting him go out there and perform. So. I don't know, but yeah, I'm. I think he's closer to a drop than he is a hold in twelves, fifteens. I feel like it's one of those like you hold on to him and see what happens. But in a pinch, I can see. Like, if, I know me if I had him, I would. If I, unless I had a roster spot to burn, which I really don't right now, because I want to make sure every. He's not going to get you a zero in a week. Is the thing about O'Neill? That's the thing. But, and but he's got that right ceiling now, in him that most guys don't have. That's but, frustrating. But at the end of the I, day, I get what you're saying. This is why day, it's, what, this is why it's difficult. Why does if he only gives you three out of seven games in the week? Like it's I better than it's it's better than a zero, but you're only starting that in case it's like a break glass in case of emergency type of player. Then, so it's would you rather like would you rather would you rather roster Chris Bryant or Tyler O'Neill? Chris Bryant, he's gonna play. So I like, I like O'Neill starting earlier though. He's gonna get his regular time off. Sure, but he'll play what five of six, five of seven. Mm-hmm. I don't think O'Neill's playing five of seven, unless Probably there's not. a lot of lefties. Unless there's a lot of lefties in there, and yeah. even then, it's yeah. so that's why I think. And then on top of that, it goes back to. Bryant has cores for 20, uh, 14 of those 20 final games. So it's like that's kind of the, the extra part in his way. Trust me, yeah. I think O'Neill's the better talent, but we're yeah. talking three weeks, we're talking yeah. playing time, and we're talking uh, venues. And Bryant has more of that on his side than O'Neill, unfortunately, because I yeah. think O'Neill is the better player. And if we're drafting today, I probably don't draft either of them, but I would probably that's still fair. rank O'Neill ahead of him, looking at thinking long term between the two. Because, but at the same time, actually, I don't know, because if O'Neill enters this team next year in the same if he's in the similar role it wouldn't surprise me yeah. this isn't he's this got he, is... we, we have we have to hope he gets traded that's the only thing that can help his fantasy value if he stays on st louis because the players he's platooning with they're not going anywhere either so they, like i don't see this situation yeah. changing anytime soon that's the problem that's it's, a, it's massive a mess problem. it's a mess let's talk about chris taylor this is a guy i've never been a huge fan of because he platoons a lot he's inconsistent he strikes out a million times but i'll give him credit when he's hot he's hot right yeah. now Right now, over his last 10 games, and again, he's not playing every day. You'll get to that, but he's playing pretty close to every day. But in his last 10 games, hitting 357, four doubles, two homers, three stolen bases, walking 20%. Strikeout rate's actually down to like 29%, which is big. He's locked in right now. And like I said, he can be streaky. The Dodgers offense has gotten really good over the last month compared to like kind of the off and on early on. Um, it's probably weekly matchup dependent, but at the same time, he is facing righties. He's not like the automatic sit type situation. So what's your take on Chris Taylor right now? J.D. Martinez just came back. Mookie Betts just came back, so that takes two spots up for Chris Taylor. But he's still probably better than some of the other options out there. So I would have said he's like, don't bother, but David Peralta is also dealing with injury. He just and that's- got hurt. Yep. And that's where so Chris Taylor's in against a righty again tonight. But before this, like Chris Taylor only started against two of the last five righties as well. His playing time has looked more consistent because they've faced three lefties out of the last seven days. So they played out of the last six matchups, three have been lefties. So he started those three, plus started on Sunday 
against a righty. So it's four out of six games that you've seen Chris Taylor in over the last six uh, over the last six games. And then now tonight against a righty because Peralta's out. So right now the playing time is there. And like you said, he produces in bunches. I do think that just because he's facing righties doesn't mean uh, Taylor's going to suddenly produce against righties. But also uh, I expect Chris Taylor to be serviceable. And I have no problem starting him because obviously like if you need playing time, you need performance, he's kind of checking those boxes, right? And those are kind of, again, right now, you don't all year long when you're streaming a play, you don't need to believe in them to stream them. But right now it's really imperative. It's really important to make sure you're getting all the play parts you can get. And you want guys that have the playing time and the performance to match. So if you're getting both those and for going to keep, maybe you can keep that up and, and just be hot for another week or two. That's great. But not somebody I would go on my way to get, but as long as there's playing time, I'll take a shot on him because he, he is performing. I'll give him that. Yeah. He's performing. That's what makes it, um, it's going to be really interesting. Let's put it that way. And I'm, uh, I think I think we'll we'll recap Fab. I'm pretty sure I added him in at least one league. So we're gonna roll that dice. Emmanuel Valdez of the Boston Red Sox. We saw signs of life at times with him earlier this year. Returned from the IL at the beginning of September. He sits safely in five of six starts games he has started in. He's hitting 333 with the home run, scored a few runs. Um, he's filling in at second base now with story back at shortstop. Valdez was playing shortstop earlier in the season. What's what kind of league, what kind of format does Valdez stand out to you? Because like even you know Navelvi Marte, you mentioned the nose situation. McLean's gone. There's middle infield spots that might need. Heck, as much as everyone loves Ellie to the Cruz, he's super inconsistent and frustrating the roster. Like I'd have trouble starting him with confidence these days. So, what's your thoughts on Emmanuel Valdez? You know I love him. I did the worst comp ever. Like the year I remember this year, like I thought he had a chance to out earn or at least be consistent, like consistent with a. Uh, Michael Garcia and obviously that was way off I just thought that there was a chance just because I was banking on some upside there and he shows flashes and right now he's running hot again now be mind be taken uh, be be mindful that Emmanuel Valdez is also in a platoon batting eighth or ninth when he is starting usually he sat against a righty yesterday so he even among even among playing like I think he was in the line of tonight too before I got scratched but um even among even though he's getting those those reps against righties, I don't know where my thought was on that. But even though Valdez is getting those that playing time right now against righties, it's still like four out of five or five out of six. So it's but it's still mostly every day. And if you need an upside play, I think that that was another team. The Red Sox I think played six of seven against righties this week. I can double check that. But he's very much a guy that like if you're getting six out of seven games against righties, he's worth streaming. But if it's like a week where it's like five out of seven. Like right, okay, so this week was like five out of seven, but but the way it works out is actually pretty perfect because you expect him to get a day off anyway, so now he won't need one against righties. So for Monday through Thursday, they have four games, three against righties, one against lefty. I think that's worth uh, streaming them against in that first half of the week. Second half of the week, you might want to try to find a replacement because two out of three are against righties, so you know he's seeing at least one over the weekend. So I think that's very much um because you're not getting the volume, but it's also tough matchups in the early part of the week. But um yeah, I would. He's he's a guy I like. I definitely had a bid on him as a fallback for middle infield, but not a guy I'm going on my way to get because playing time limitations. I don't have time to wait on that, and I don't have time. I can't be too picky streamers. I'm just especially if you're like me, where I'm kind of like saying screw batting average and just going for play appearances to just get counting stats. I can't afford a guy like the right that. approach right now. By the way, for me, well, it depends. Like I my batting it's average took, a lot. Yeah. My took my batting average took a huge hit after those injuries and. For me, to, in order to the best approach for me was to say screw batting average, and just try to keep up and attack counting stats, and that's been how I've managed to crawl back into competing on the offensive side of the things for the. So it's again, it's a very much team context type of thing. 
for sure. Um, this is a yes or no question. I don't want to go any deeper than this. Are you still rostering Carlos Rodon? In yes 15s, no? in 15s, yes, but okay. on my bench. Okay, I'm benching him. I'm not, I'm not starting him. I'm going to just narrow this down because you have a lot of different pitchers with Velo up, Velo down. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these are um, younger pitchers like Tanner Bybee, notable, noticeable drop. We talked to Yuri Prez, some other guys. How concerning is the Velo stuff? We we know there is concern to it, obviously. Maybe you might want to see another start, so on and so forth. How are you using that this time of year to be re- reactionary because we don't have time to wait type stuff? So what does the velo information do for you when it comes to start, sit, maybe add drop situations for this final stretch run? Well, I'm more likely to not go after a pitcher who the velo took a little bit of a hit in the last time just because we're at the time of the year where especially young guys where they could just be tired. It could be it also could just simply be a one start fluke thing, too. So that's why it's like you don't want to overreact, right? You don't want to even this late in the year, you don't overreact, but like. Yuri Perez, between the recent struggles and then the Velo dip, maybe you don't start him. Maybe if his next start is a tough start, maybe you think about sitting him. He doesn't become such a sure thing in my eyes. So I'm still not trying to over. Even though you have to kind of react quickly this time of year, I'm not trying to overreact to one start no matter what, especially if I believe in a player. But it's more so, again, it's still still trying to get a starting point on things because, like you mentioned, Yuri Perez gets three starts left. If that velocity is down again next start and the walks are still there, maybe – Maybe you now you realize okay he's a sit or I drop him like that's the conversation you got to start having now you know because at this point any anyone's droppable I, I've cut like if I took now that everyone's back of course India and Naylor are back so it sounds bad but I cut both those guys a month ago and um, I had to do what I had to do and it, looking back at it it sucks because now I could really use them trust me I could really use them I have eight players on my team. From like the Tigers, the Royals, the A's, and so like hey, Tigers just, have one of the best matchup sets to finish the season. So I wouldn't care too much about that. I'm holding on to McKinstry and Badu on my bench right now because they're playing every day and are playing against righties every day and then leading off batting top two. So anyway, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. But my point being my point being though, and the Royals have been actually decent too. But what I'm getting at is that we're at that time of the year where it doesn't matter where you drafted them, it, it hasn't matter where you drafted them in a while, but it doesn't matter where you drafted them, it doesn't matter what they did for you a month ago. It doesn't matter who they can be. It's about what they're doing and who they are now. So although you want to be a little quick with it, the velocity stuff to answer your question for me is still more of a starting point because, and maybe a, uh, maybe more of a tiebreaker. Like, Hey, this guy has this start. This guy has this start pros and cons list. You start making, you start looking at matchups and it's like, everything's dead even. Oh, but this guy had a little bit of diminished view on his last outing. Okay. I'll go the other way. So it's still not something I'm like hugely basing. Like I'm not making huge, unless it's like, I'm talking like two, like like Chris Sale a couple of starts ago had like a two mile per hour dip in his in his. That was like the second out of like three or four starts where he had that two or three mile per hour dip. So like that's where it's like, oh wow, okay, there's something wrong with Chris Sale. Like that's there's no injury news, but I, and I think Chris Sale's actually getting his. He just got to start pushed back, yeah. And then so, Kershaw, Kershaw's still pitching Kershaw got shoulder his issues. back to Friday because of his shoulder issues. It's, it's and, a mess. And, and his velocity was two miles per hour down too. So it also depends on how big. Like I think Perez was closer to about a, a tick, which again is. You've seen play. You'll see players in a bad start or just a tired night just be off and not get that velo all the way up. So it's more like that's more of a starting point. But then like two miles per hour, it's like okay, one and a half to two is like I feel like there's more concern for injury. And you'll notice like when a guy comes out injured in a start, if you go look at their savant page in that start, it's usually the, t- yeah. the velos are down like two to three miles per hour. Heck, when Otani came out with the UCL, it was like that's a three bad. to four. Mil- yeah. It was like a three to four velo dip. So that's why there's a big difference. You have to understand not all velocity dips are created equal. And also sometimes it really is just a blip on the radar. That's why I even, I think I even tweeted that recently. I was like, there most more times than not velocity stuff is blips on the radar, 
But again, it's all about getting you a starting point. And at the very least, you keep this in your back of your mind entering the offseason. Like, hey, look, this guy had this little bit of diminished stuff towards the s- September. Was it because? And then you start looking more into it. Maybe you read an article and it explains why. And the fatigue could be the answer. And but at least you have a starting point of where to look for. Like, okay, so this is how it ended. How, where can I pick up my analysis from next year? So that's why it's so important to keep up with these things through the very end. Which I'm actually like three days behind. I, I, lately, I've been doing it in bulk because I've just been yeah. busy. Oh, but. it's good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to go over it briefly. People can check it out on the Game of the Edge Fantasy Patreon. It's it's a, it's a great article to keep you up to date on things. Like I said, if Curlin's tweeting out stats, he's writing his article. So check it out. It's uh, it's really <laughs> good stuff there. That's um, so true. Let's talk about some of the ad drops on the NFBC OCs, the 12-teamer from this past week. And it's when we get into my ad drops, I'll show you how people have completely checked out in certain formats. But the most added player this week, and I can't argue with this, Ryan Pepio picked up in 100 leagues, as high as 80, as low as a dollar. Uh, I'm not the only one, but I've been preaching add Pepio. He's like my primary target if he's available this past week, and he was not available in all my leagues. That's, that's when you know you play with some sharp, sharp people. But um, this is a guy that even going into the season before, like when there's injury, before the injuries, even last year before injuries, you're like, okay, this guy's good. We want Pepio. He came back August 19th. Two, two like long reliefs out of the bullpen. Now he's made two starts. His two starts, 12 innings, no runs, six Ks. He's done a total of 21 innings, two runs, 17 Ks since coming in. Gets a nice start this week and then a beautiful two-step next week. That's what I really wanted him for. So at least three really great matchups, maybe four, depending on how it lines up in the end here. Dodgers are having horrific troubles in that rotation, obviously. They got the California Penal League pitcher. They got Kershaw with the shoulder injury and many other. Sheehan's not that great. Bobby Miller's kind of washed up at the moment. It, there's a lot of problems in that Dodgers rotation. is like one of the few bright spots at the moment. So I was all in on him. What's your thoughts on Ryan Pepio? I drafted him in my main event this year. <laughs> so that, that, that. That's Curlin's way of saying, and I don't <laughs> roster him anymore. <laughs> no, yeah, because so I, I had him. I had him on there. a. I had him on a very short list to add off of the back when he was like getting off the coming off the IL or about to, but th- th- he was like entering the C, he was going to enter like in a relief role. So I was like, all right, cool, I'm not that interested. But I've always liked the stuff, and he was showing like better control in spring. I was really intrigued. We all know he had the strikeout stuff, and now Pepio is kind of doing what we kind of hoped him to do when we drafted him. Dude, I look at the back of my, I, I drafted so well this year. I'm so upset, especially how players, I dropped JD Martin, JD, not Martin, no, I dropped, I dropped JD Davis this year, dropped him because it was the beginning of the year. And I just, he was my last pick of the draft and I picked him just because, and I wish I held on to him because obviously he's been good. Anyway, I digress. Um, Pepio, he has, he has a like, ridiculous, his chase rate, his O swing is 36.7%, league average 32% basically, above average swing strike rate. Um, the strikeouts haven't been there yet, surprisingly, considering that. So I feel like there's room for growth there. But he's not walking anyone. I love yeah, it. I, I, I do wish – like I mean, he's a 3.59 Sierra guy, so obviously he's still under overperforming. But he's like he's getting the ball on the ground more than ever. He's, he's getting a lot more swing and miss. I think he's allowing a little more contact than usual, which makes sense considering that the strikeouts aren't there even with those advanced – with those metrics suggesting they should be better. So there's a lot to like with Pepio. And honestly, he's just one of those guys that – He's, he should be next year's like he, where he's probably going to go in drafts. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I feel like that Kyle Bradish and Justin Steele, I'm not going to comp That's him to fair. those guys. That's fair. But I think he should be going – I think he should be going around there in early drafts, if not a little later, and work his way up to being – because I remember drafting him. I drafted him at the end of my draft, and that was probably around pick 340, 350. So maybe like still around – maybe he's closer to pick 250, like SP5, SP6 type, because there's no, he's going to be in this rotation next year, and he's making strides in ways that we need him to, notably in the walk rate. that We needed those walks to be better. 
So I think Pepio is a guy that I'm like I'm happy to, I'm going to be happy to be in on next year. But at the same time, if you have him now, like I think what you're seeing is close to legitimate. Obviously, he's not going to be as as um as good as he's been, but he's 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 solid, man. I think there's a lot of legitimacy to what we see there for Pepio. Hundred percent. Yeah, no, he's definitely a guy I'm liking for the rest of this season and very, very interested in for 2024. Michael King of the Yankees picked up on 71 leagues as high as 147, as low as a dollar. This one's interesting for two reasons. First, the Yankees game got postponed on Monday. We mentioned that earlier. Clark Schmidt was supposed to have a two-step against Boston and Pittsburgh this week. Clark Schmidt now gets moved to Wednesday, it looks like. So he's skipping tomorrow's doubleheader. They're going to go with the spot starter and Rodon. So basically two spot starters. And um, now, <laughs> now, Clark, now Clark Schmidt has a two-step next week against Toronto and Arizona. That was supposed to be Michael King's two-step next week, Toronto and Arizona. King's now pushed to Thursday against Boston uh, from Wednesday to Thursday. So this is why we always say, Kind of play for the now. Don't try to plan too far into the future. More so with like, hey, give me the rest of the season on so-and-so. We've preached that for a long time on this show. Um, and this was just kind of a fluky one. Still good matchups. Uh, it means Michael King uh, should get a two-step the final week of the season. And the reason why King's interesting, like we've known him to be a, a nice bullpen arm, uh, like in the seventh inning, eighth inning, potential saves from time to time. He's got six saves on the season. But they have stretched him out they being the New York Yankees. And in his last four appearances, all being starts for the Yankees, he's worked his way up to five innings in his last two starts, uh, got up to 79 pitches in this last start. So he's probably able to go 85-90 here pretty soon. Nine Ks in his last outing against Milwaukee, a team that Jesus Lazardo couldn't get out. So that's pretty impressive. Um, I think when we're looking at potential pitchers this late in the season, Michael King does have some legs to him. So I, I was interested. What was your thoughts on Michael King? I I think in our Patreon I suggested I was like, hey, this seems this feels gross, but I think you could even do, play. I think I'm starting Michael King with more confidence than Christian Javier right now. <laughs> oh, that's fair. That's very fair. Yes, that's so gross. Like, what? What are, what are we even doing? Christian Javier, strike- broken man, broken man. I don't buy the strikeouts from King, considering the lack of uh, swing and miss in the profile, and the lack of chasing. But he definitely doesn't walk people. I think players, I think teams have an adjust. I think the Milwaukee starters obviously carrying that strikeout rate, but uh, as a starter. But with that said, he's his whip is below is sub one over the last three starts. Uh, again, the strikeouts have been there, but the lack of walks, he hasn't given up a home run over the last three starts. That's going to regress. But at the end of the day, he's at what 1.29 ERA and his Sierra is a 2.66. His XFIP is like 2.6 or something like that, 2.69. Nice. And FIP is 0.91. So it's one of those things where it's like, very small sample, but what he's been doing, what King's been doing has legitimacy to it in terms of the, the results. So I like what we're seeing there. It's like, I'd rather, I'd rather start Michael King than Rodon or Christian Javier, a sentence I never thought I'd utter ever. And yet here's a guy that, yeah, you know, you're, you know, you're limited. I think five innings might be the ceiling. So that might be a little bit of a reason not to be overly optimistic, but at the end of the day, and you mentioned he lines up the way he lines up. If that's the case, if everything got pushed back one, he should line up for a two step on the final week. The and, final week, he should get a nice two. But like you said, and like we've said, like we can't bank on that. You know what I mean? No. Uh, but and that's why. And when we talk about RFAD pickups, you'll see why I'm not making many moves because I there's too much uncertainty right now. Yeah, like I, I pick. I was more excited about King for the two step next week, but we already saw how quickly that changed. That's why we're saying like two weeks from now. I would still <laughs> hold him. I mean, oh, the way he's oh, pitching. Yeah. 
Oh, he's I'd still be, worth streaming right now, especially in 15s him, and 12s. Him, him as he, a one starter right now is better than most options you're going to find right now. And that's sure. why I think a 12. I think that was a 12 team where that uh, one of our Patreons were talking about yep. like Michael King or it was just one of the options. I was like, I think Javier might be the sit over King, and I feel yeah. like it's getting cute, but it's Javier not. Javier's a, been Javier, awful. And a tw- Javier and a 12 has been a drop lately. You could, yeah, it's just, it's right. just, you know, it's just hard. It's one of those things where it's easier to tell, it's easier to do. It's one of those things where I, it's easier for me to do myself, but I can't suggest someone else to do it type of thing. I'm having a hard time it's telling tough. you to do it. It's tough. I get it. Uh, the third most added player this past week in NFC OCs in 60 leagues, high as a 101, as low as a dollar, prospect Jordan Lawler of the Arizona Diamondbacks. This is why it's fun. If this was two months ago, he would have been in every single league. Now he was picked up in 60 leagues. Um, and is in the minors 278 average, 20 homers, 36 stolen bases for Lawler. First three games this weekend, though, not so great. One for 12 or, yeah, 0.091 batting average, 50% K rate. Looks a little lost at the plate right now. Even talking to the Welsh on Monday on Fantasy Pros, he's like, and he's a, he's a D-back guy and he's a prospect guy. So he's got the double whammy on this. He says it might be okay to drop Lawler at this point in time. Just look for 2024 when it comes to Jordan Lawler. I didn't place a bit on him anywhere. What were your thoughts? I just don't know what to expect. Like September call-ups, I feel like everyone's so stuck on um, what's his face. Wow, why? why? J- Dominguez, Dominguez, Dominguez was okay, the guy that like yeah. he came up and he just set, he set the world ablaze, and we all hoped he we all knew he had that type of upside, but you don't. Like, that's the exception to the rule. Lawler got eighty plate appearances at AAA. He crushed it in AAA in small sample, did very well in AA. So Lawler could easily get going, but get you can't wait for someone to get going now. What you're getting with Lawler is playing time. He did steal a base already, so you know you're going to get some slow bases. And if you're targeting playing time and you need steals, I think Lawler has a spot, but I don't think he's a guy that – I think he's someone you can – it's one of those things where he should be added and probably on someone's, someone's bench because you're guaranteed playing time and you're guaranteed stats because of that. Now, does he need to be started until he gets going? No. But – not many more players are you going to get off the waiver wire with this much upside this late in the year. So it's one of those like give and take. Like I want him on my bench if I have room for him, but if I need a starter right now, I probably wouldn't add him. And that's Jordan Lawler I'm talking about because I need production now and I can't wait for him to figure out MLB pitching. That's fair. That's kind of where I'm at. I was just watching how he went this weekend. I'm like, he's not horrible by any means, but I'm just like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the time or the patience to pull this one off. Uh, a couple more here. Uh, Jose Quintana added in 54 leagues as high as 55 bucks as low as a dollar. He had a two-step this week. That's a big part of it. Uh, he had matchups against Arizona and Cincinnati. But we look at Quintana. He made nine starts heading into this one. Three ERA, four eight three xFIP. You know, not a ton of strikeouts, but the the ratios have been decent. Last two starts, 13 innings, one run, nine Ks. Outside of one start, we give it five runs to the, the Braves, which we will pretty much allow anybody to do because it's the freaking Braves. All eight other starts, three runs or less, seven of those eight, two runs or less. Like, he's been serviceable, which is all you're looking for this time of year. Were you in on Jose Quintana? Um, In 15s, I have him in a few DCs. I'm going to be a lock, pretty much. That's what yeah. I'm saying. In 12s, like, for the two-start week, though, I guess. I get it. Like, if you're targeting – the problem is the Mets aren't that good, but – they can they can, they, have, they can produce so it's like if you're targeting wins some ratio help i think i think he can offer that type of help i just don't know how much like i, I don't think he's much more than that so i think it's 15s is a slam dunk you should be starting on probably but 12s it's like fringe it's almost like kyle gibson type of guy you know what i mean like he sure. can be valuable he can get you some wins help you with ratios don't expect strikeouts 
um, in in your typical start type of thing. But I don't know. At the end of the day, it's it's Jose Quintana. I'm actually yeah. surprised he's pitching this well coming out. Wasn't it wasn't it Thoracic Outlet or wherever he came off back from? I'm not a hunt. I don't want to misspeak, but you might be right. It was something more serious than the Some, average thing. Something that usually won't um that usually doesn't turn out to be like the like him coming back and being this good isn't the usual outcome type of thing. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, we mentioned Jonathan India came back on Sunday, so he was picked up in 53 leagues as high as $50, as low as a buck, went deep on Sunday. Not a whole lot of analysis there. That's pretty simple stuff. We talked Hunter Goodman, picked up in 49 leagues as high as 30, as low as a dollar. How about this one? We know that the rumors came out this past week that Josh Young could be returning shortly. He was picked up in 46 leagues as high as 111, as low as a dollar. Uh, when you look at Josh Young, beast, you know this, I know this. He's helped our fantasy teams out tremendously while he was healthy. Big, big bummer to see him go down. They're saying he could return as early as this next week, this week, uh, as early as is how I'm going to phrase that. So nobody takes it out of context. Um, what's your thoughts on this Josh Young thing? Because uh, so far in his rehab, he's been rehabbing for a while, it looks like. I know that's from 2022. There's no rehab stats here. So were you in on the early spec on Josh Young? Because I'm still nervous, you know, a couple of weeks left, returning from an injury. Like, what can we really expect? I'm desperate for like a, a jolt in my <laughs> a jolt of production. I'll give, I'll give you a jolt. Uh, yeah, thanks. I you know, I always take a bubble jolt. <laughs> it just sounds like a good time. Anyway, sounds like a really actually really sounds like a bubble jolt. Sounds like a dollar store energy drink. There you go. <laughs> yeah, the, I, the discount store energy drinks a great great way to put that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> with that said, I, uh, I oh young yeah. So he's a guy that. I got, I'll just get out of my way. I made one move this week. We'll talk about the strategy behind it. I made one move this week and he was atop my queue for a dollar and I got him and I'm just taking my shot. I think there's just very few bats. And the thing is, is, you know, he's coming back when he comes back, even if you get two full weeks, I honestly, if he comes back by the end of the week, like they said, Friday was, was the potential for a return for young. They didn't really like when you look at how they talk about Heim. Heim was kind of like, Hey, they gave him a date and he didn't really miss it. Garver was the one who got pushed back from the, from his first date of return. But so the, the Rangers don't really play games with that stuff. He'll be back, I think, close to, if not Friday, probably Monday. So I'm looking at two weeks of Josh Young. And the thing about that team is it's still the Rangers. They're still producing. And he's probably going to slot right back into batting fourth or fifth in that lineup. So you're looking at a guy who's going to enter a good lineup and hit in one of the best run-producing spots in that lineup. And although the power might be sapped a little bit because it was a fractured thumb, it was at least it wasn't his dominant hand. I believe it was his left hand. I know it's the lead hand, but it's not the dominant hand, so it should it maybe won't be as bad. Um, because it was okay, yeah, I was on his glove hand because it hit him in the glove, but yeah, so I went out and I felt confident enough to go out and get him. I just I think that if there's a difference maker, why wouldn't it be the potential AL rookie of the year or what who would have been the AL rookie of the year had he not got injured? But I don't know. I like Josh Young down the stretch here. I think he's worthy of a uh, grab, and I think he could be difference making for teams in the final two weeks but i'm also saying this with a little bit of bias and optimism on my own that's where i'm at with them that's why that's the reason why i went back after him and was glad to get him for a dollar because i was surprised but yeah i don't disagree with it i'm just i was kind of curious on it i'm specking on guys right now are tough for me but i get it i get what you're saying I, i'm very, i'm looking at anyone who could be a difference maker yeah, off the waiver wire right now As, if he's i'm now you're betting i'm betting on him just coming back and playing because if he's back and he's playing He's playing every day. I don't think yeah. he gets a day off. So that's, that's another thing. So, so you're getting some of these other guys. Yes. So I'm looking at a guy who's entering one of the best lineups in baseball or better lineups in baseball, not necessarily the best anymore. Um, entering the middle of that lineup, 
especially with Adelisa out of the picture, that's one less spot well, ahead of let, him. Let, let me just let me just cut you off here. Let's just have some fun with this because there's some other guys that are available. We already talked Jonathan India. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have picked up if you could have one player this week in Fab? Would you rather have Jonathan India, Josh Young, or Davis Schneider? I think Schneider comes in third, which is the really yeah. But I'm also I don't buy into bias. Maybe there's I don't have <laughs> I, I, I don't have India. I don't have India on my team anymore, so there's no bias there. I'm betting on the ballpark being the kind of the differentiating factor, and we've already seen Schneider kind of fall down the lineup. No, over yeah. like, yeah, I think when, today when he, Bichette came back, he moved down. So, um, and then Chapman could be nearing a return. So then, what happens when that happens? You well, know when Chapman I mean? comes back, Schneider goes back to probably. Well, there's playing. no ETA on Chapman as a problem. So Chapman is it's like hey he's ramped up activity, but that could be it could be one of those like Chris Bryant type like hey he's in suddenly. You don't know what's going to happen there. But uh, regardless, I think Schneider is going to be third for me just because I don't believe in what we're seeing. I think we got the best out of him already, and I think it's gonna, I think he's going to come crashing back down to earth sooner than later. That's fair. He's, and, he's kind uh, of doing the Zach Geloff path. Like I believe in these guys long term, but they're I think teams are starting to find holes, and now they have to figure it out. Type thing. Geloff's still I, very good. Geloff's still getting hits. He's just not what the power he once was. And I think Schneider can still be a very solid player. I think he's going to be solid, but I don't know if I think I don't know if he's going to be what India and Young can be down the stretch. I, I mean, if I if I have Schneider, if I have Schneider, if I'm dropping him for one of the two, it's probably India because he's already back. Yeah, but even then, how do you drop a guy who's putting up the numbers that he's put up this year? I mean, exactly. Schneider's like not a drop. You're not dropping Schneider. I just think yeah, I, would, I, like, I dropped Schneider right when he didn't play for a full week, and then yes. I got hurt. That one stung. I got, it was the right move at the time. It just I agree. Stings, stings that in a big way. Those moves will happen. I dropped got, Kerry Carpenter and, and Jake Berger this year when they got their ooh, injuries. Yeah, those will do it. Those will do and it. They, and then Berger That's missed minimum. Burger missed minimum time, and it was an oblique. I didn't think minimum did, time was yeah, possible. The fact he came back from the minimum time is pretty Which wild. is rare. From an oblique, rare. And then um, Kerry Carpenter, I just didn't prioritize because I never saw the – I didn't see the breakout and, like, the contact skills coming. I knew the power was there. Everyone knew the power was there. That wasn't – it was the fact that we've seen Carpenter put it all together and have what's been quietly, like, a really strong, like, four-production – four-category year, like, batting average, RBIs. Well, I don't know about RBIs and run so much on that team, but, you know, the rest of that. The, the home runs, the home runs, and he stole five bases the last thirty days, which are which is five, which is all five of his steals on the year. So randomly started running it down the stretch here too. Carpenter's just been quietly a stud, beast. quietly a stud for fantasy. But anyway, uh, so it's one of those things where your process will lead you to the right results sometimes, but other times, like yeah. dropping Carpenter was that dropping Car- Carpenter. Maybe Burger was a little premature because. I don't think we had enough. Yeah, I think yeah, I but the way oblique injuries happen, like as soon as I hear oblique, yeah. I was like, all right, he's done. It's, it's, it's rarely, if ever, the minimum. He, out of all people that prove you wrong, it's, a beer league okay. softball body got you. And like, I, he, he I don't even know where my guys. oblique is because of yeah. the way I look. Like Burger, I love he's Burger, close. but he ain't a small guy either. <laughs> he's the real. he's he's closer to Vogelbach than he is to like, yes. insert skinny man here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, uh, so I made that dry. And again, I, it didn't work out for me. But it's one of those things where I went with the usual oblique thing. It's obliques usually like like Josh Naylor was like four weeks. Like that's your that's usually your lower end oblique yeah. fallout. You know exactly. But anyway, uh, one more guy I want to mention here because then it just turns into a bunch of streaming type situations. Is if you want to jolt to your offense, Mr. Nelson Velasquez, everybody. Uh, I have him in every single draft and hold, I believe, at least like I'd say at least 80% of them that I have. I love this guy. When he got traded, I was so happy. I said, give him playing time. He's got playing time since, Finally. since, since yeah, since September 1st, 
He's playing every day. He's hitting 290, four home runs. Still strikes out a lot, but that's the Velasquez way. But the power is legit. Like, he's always had this. That was the thing that got me attracted to him. His stat cast numbers, 30% barrel, 55% heart rate. Not completely sustainable, but he's always shown good quality of contact metrics when he gets a chance. I love Nelson Velasquez. So he was a big-time pickup this week, like I mentioned. 45 leagues, as high as 12 bucks, as low as a dollar. I think people, like he, when he slumps, it's going to be ugly. Like There's no denying that with Velasquez because of the swing and miss. But when he's on and he's playing every day, I, I'm a big fan of his. Ryu. Like I know you said he picked up one move, but was this a guy that was at least on your radar for the week? Well, he's been rostered in 15s for a while, I think, is part of the issue with Velasquez. He's uh he's solid. I, I love I love the I he's he's a guy that I wanted. I, I kept grabbing last year for the Cubs. He would come up. Hey, by the way, by the way, sorry, Royce Lewis just hit another home run. It's a hell of a he's... platoon bat. Hell of a platoon <sighs> bat. <laughs> My favorite. Yeah, Royce Lewis has been him, Nolan Jones, and McCormick have been league winners for, for me at least. But that's okay. That's, let me get back. Let me Sorry, get back through to Nelson Velasquez. I, I distracted you. That's my fault. That was completely my fault. Don't worry. Bro. Oh no. Now I have to give now I have to talk about both these guys. Anyways, so Velasquez. Um, I'm only curious what's gonna happen. Ispel's back, right? You have Ispel, Waters, Velasquez, Melendez, and Alvarez, and Blanco, who's getting run run against lefties. So he's weak side platoon guy, but it's crowded, and it shouldn't be. Velasquez should play every day, but we've also seen them. Remember, right before this run, he was uh, Velasquez was platooning against the weak side of platoon again. So I'm wondering, does that happen again down the stretch with all these lefty outfielders back in the mix? I don't think it should, but I you gotta you gotta you gotta you know it's the Royals. They they do some stupid <laughs> stuff, and it's funny though because this this is normally Velasquez gets gets lefties, but this year. Small sample, but this year he's actually hitting righties better than lefties so far. So it'd be really funny if they suddenly platoon him, even though he's hitting righties really well. He has a thousand OPS against righties this year. Like you're not sitting that 162 diversity plus against righties. Nelson Vasquez has. He shouldn't sit against righties because, but normally the platoon split is the other way. But I digress. I agree. He's somebody you're definitely his. The skill set is there. The loud, flashy tools are there. You always bet on that in the playing time, and usually you'll find a good solid streamer like down the stretch. He hasn't stolen any bases. Hasn't even attempted a steal at all this uh, this year for at least for the Royals, I should say. But um, or anybody. It looks like two teams, MLB, no yeah. stolen base attempts, which is weird because he did steal some bases in AAA this year. But regardless, it was a um, I, I like Velasquez, and I, I remember last year being in on him for the Cubs. He would come up play play against lefties, and then our injury would happen, so he'd get some run against righties, and then and then the guy would get healthy, so he would lose playing time, and. So I, I was one of those things where I always had an eye on him, and I just I didn't get him this year. So, but I like him. I like the skill set. I'm just rambling at this point about Velasquez. Yeah. Like, but but uh, Royce Lewis. So yeah, it's one of those things where you want to you want you want to know the difference between an overall winner and a team that's pushing to try to get back just the cash in the overall. It's Honestly, not be good. Royce Lewis. No, no. Well, no. The small. It's a small. It's a small sample. It's a, oh, well, yeah. no, because. Well, the guy like um, there's plenty of people that don't have them that are cashing in the overall and all that. But um, no, the small difference is my team's the re- when my team was top ten, top fifteen. The, having Royce Lewis oh, type production, yeah. having Royce Lewis type production from like McCormick and Nolan Jones, having those guys, those were extra guys. I didn't depend on them. Those were the guys that were putting me over the top to be a top ten overall team and contending for the overall. When I got when I got hit by the injury bug. Those players became necessity to have, and they're the reason why I'm still even competing, honestly, right? They're the reason why I'm still winning my league or pushing for first place. They're the reason why I'm still top 50 in the overall. But that's the difference in me being a top 10 team and a top 50 and a top 50 team 
is the fact that health health was the difference right there. It goes to show you that I made all, I made a ton of right moves this year, made a couple wrong ones, of course, but I made a ton of right moves. And unless you can run pure with your, with your, with your health, you're going to have a hard time winning the overall, the overall, there's some luck involved. The best players will tell you that there's some luck involved. Obviously there's a lot more skill than there is luck. Honestly, I really do believe that. But when I made so many right moves and I just got hit with terrible injury luck down the stretch pair with some bad performance, I still am making a push towards backwards the top. Now I'm going to come up short of my goal of being a top 10 team because of health. And I think, I think that's the big difference. If I go look at those teams right now, they're in top, they're top 10. I guarantee you a lot of them have big pieces that breakouts that they've drafted that just stayed healthy. And that's the difference between my team versus theirs, where I'm over here streaming six players from the freaking athletics Royals and tigers. <laughs> they don't have to do that right now. You know what I mean? So well, I'm with you. Like I said, my, about two months ago, I was winning like at least half my leagues. Now the, the, the health bug has attacked me as well. It's uh, and, well, and then, Hey, you have guys like, you have guys like uh, Otani, big loss to a lot of teams on the stretch oh, here, yeah. especially, especially if he actually does end up in, injured on the IL, which I'm surprised that he, uh, he's, he basically would have spent the whole 10 days on there already. We're, we're yeah. almost there. That's why the angels. But then again, oh, yeah. but then again, after they've DFA'd somebody, who who, they, who could they call it to fill the spot, anyways? Tough, tough move for the the angels. Yeah, they don't really have a whole lot going for them right now. I, hey, I get it. Let's let's recap Fab real quick. Um, you said you made one move, Josh Young. You said you did. You have anything else to add to that, or are you going to uh, elaborate some more? Um, real quick, the only reason why I made one move is because I'm trying. So I have four dollars left. Now, now I have three, <laughs> and, and and we have two more fab periods. I'm I I thought I looked ahead. I was like, Josh Young. There was like five players on my waterfall, and I would have streamed whoever I got. And if I didn't stream whoever I got, I planned on just if I got Young like I did, I had a I had a backup option. So I was never in need of a streamer, but I was like, I always like to at least get one streamer. I want. I was looking at him like, who can I get for pitcher? I can't really go for a pitcher right now because I can't afford them not to be pitching the final week. So I was like, let me look ahead for more hitters. Ah. Uh, I can't. I don't know how the playtime is going to shake out by then, or how, what's their matchup. So if I get a platoon bat, it's pointless to have a platoon bat for the stretch for the last three weeks because there's a chance that for the final week that they're only playing three of their side of the arm. You know, what if they have a weird week where it's like six games, three lefties, and they're and they're a strong side platoon bat. So it's like I'm I'm pretty much just keeping it very very like I'm being very picky in particular with, my, with who I'm adding right now. Because I know, and I also want to be able, to, like, the final week. If I can save, if I honestly, if I can go this week right here and, ha- and make no moves, I'm going to because I want to be able to use three dollars the final week. If it's not, for, it's like even if it's just three dollars for one player, or if it's three dollars for three streamers because I need to fill holes because like Lazaro gets shut down because the Marlins are out of it. Um, and then next you know I need, I, and then like Logan Allen, who's my only starting pitcher on my bench, he ends up getting shut down because Elon's out of it. And then next thing you know, I have I, I still have Carlos Hernandez who I have to drop. So like he's been on my bench just because I have. But my point is, yeah, I you don't can't have, afford to drop him. That's the shitty part. I can't afford to just drop him for no yeah. reason. Not, not, not I, I can afford to drop him, but I can't at the same time because that involves yeah. a move. So exactly. it's a, it's one of those things where it's like I'm being very very picky at my moves, but I'm also trying to make sure I set myself up for that final week where I'm not taking any zeros. I'm I'm even keeping players that I know get strong side platoons that just like. And hope that that way I avoid taking zeros on my hitting side. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm using my three last three dollars for like very very specific needs or very very specific holes to fill because of injury or whatever. And I've set myself up to that's why I didn't I'm glad I didn't hold on to these guys on the IL because although they're back now, I needed to fill those holes the whole time they were gone. Yeah. I couldn't afford to take any more zeros. I had to have bench depth, which it throughout the season well. 
so far um it's working out so far but we'll see what happens um, at the end of the day though there's a lot obviously that still happen now the crazy part is in my league not, not that anyone cares maybe someone does care because i find it very interesting and i think it could help maybe not but out of the top five teams in the overall right now in, in my league five, te- five top five teams in the standings i think two of them have zero dollars left so you were saying earlier yeah and one guy has the hammer at seven bucks the hammer has seven bucks right now by the way that's the hammer that's a lot. He's, in, he's in third or fourth place and then um another guy has like five bucks so and i have three so i the guy the guy in second has no money and i think the guy in fifth or sixth has no money or the fifth i think has no money so it's like the guy in fifth might be sol um the guy in second's gonna have to get really lucky with injuries the rest of the season because you know all it takes is two injuries now he can't replace somebody in his lineup and if you take a zero over two weeks that can cost you greatly mm-hmm. um so it's one of those things where it's like at least i have money so i might not have the hammer i might not even have the second most money but i have I can make moves, and that's kind of the important here. Now I mismanaged Fab. I should have more money than this, but I'll we take it. About that already. I'll take it. Well, I, I tried. I, I and I stuck with my. If you look at my league, I kind mm-hmm. of stayed on par with my league at least in terms of spending. So it wasn't like having no money didn't completely screw me over because I was able to still make move enough moves to be competitive because of how my league spent money as well. So that's fair. All right, my Fab recap for the week. My first OC. Um, there were seven total moves made this week in that league. I made four of them. Not one of the moves had a backup bid. <laughs> um, that's where we are. I had money to spend here. I think I had like 14 bucks. I spent 10 bucks this week. I didn't think I was going to win all these guys. I just wanted to make sure I got them, though, playing matchups and whatnot. Um, I need pitching counting stats. I picked up Brian Pepio, $4, obviously the runner-up. Picked up Jordan Wicks in Coors. Uh, he's doing decent tonight. Picked up Lamont Wade Jr. because the Giants have four in Coors to end the week. And I picked up Bo Naylor because he's playing really good at catcher. And I dropped Sean Murphy. Everyone is like, oh, like this whole thing. The dude plays every other day. Going back to August 1st, he has three home runs. Like he's really doing nothing. Nothing compared to I know. other guys. And the, oh, that's part of my problem. I have two shitty catchers. Excuse my language. But I have two terrible catchers. And I don't have money to play this streaming catcher game right now. Oh, so I've been I have doing to... it all along. I sh- I've been wanting to drop Sean Murphy for weeks. And I'm like, no, nah, just wait, just wait, just wait. We're at that point. I'm not waiting anymore. I should have stopped, obviously, looking back. But all it took was one more injury to, to Day or Node. And it was back to the glory days. But yeah, we're back to platoon and it's not working. Yeah, I'm more so annoyed that. uh I just don't have I, – I didn't have the – like, Campusano was out there, and I would have loved to get him, but he was I can't – He was my backup. I can't, I can't yeah. justify I, – I just couldn't justify spending 25% of my budget, remaining budget on a catcher. Yeah. Because technically I'm getting at bats there. I'm not taking zeros. That's I, don't, I know it's not the best production, but it's production. That's how I had to look. That's how I had to – I sit there and go back and forth. Langoliers for the home run tonight. Let's go. There He's one go. of my catchers. Um, in my second <laughs> OC, now there was a lot more moves made in this league, a lot more moves, so at least a little more entertainment. Side note, though, that I tweeted this out earlier. This one player in our league will get healthy eventually. Three moves they made, the three highest dollar value to moves. They added Jason Dominguez for $200, $200. Someone still had $200 left. Dropped Chris Bryant. I, the irony behind that whole thing is fitting. Um, they added Taiwan Walker, dropped James Paxton for $71. And they added Leody Tavares, dropped Marcus Stroman for 50 $321 on Dominguez, Walker, and Tavares. Thanks for showing us you did not care this season. Um, the moves I made, though, Jock Peterson dropped Ross Rojas uh, for 3 bucks. Added Jonathan India, dropped Mike Moustakis for 3 bucks. I had a lot of money. I think I had like $24 somehow in this league. I must have been losing bids. 
Added Luis Matos for two bucks. Uh, dropped Will Benson. Added Edward, Edward Cabrera for two bucks. Dropped Matt Manning. Added Jose Alvarado for a buck. Dropped Darius Fines. Um, Alvarado starting to get some closing chances potentially, and he could be valuable in that final week of the season when starting pitching goes to hell. So that's a, a, an angle there. And in my final OC, the third one, do do do. Um, I added Mike Yastrzemski, dropped Darius Fines, three to nothing. Added Lamont Wade, dropped Josh Rojas, one to nothing. Added Blake Sable, dropped Jason Dominguez, one to nothing. Added Ryan Yarbrough, dropped Julio Julio Urias, one to nothing. Added Mason Miller, dropped Jojo Romero, one to nothing. I literally just putting out things into the wind, seeing if they'd hit. Those are not my top priorities, obviously, but uh, uh, Yarbrough and Miller are on my team now because I just didn't have more than a dollar to bid on these guys. Like Michael King went for 10 bucks in this league uh, with no runner up. Actually, curious looking at these other leagues now. Um, in OC two, Michael King went for two bucks. I could have probably had a chance there, unfortunately. And then in OC three, Michael King, uh, he might have already been taken because I know he wasn't available in every league. So yeah, it's the wild west in those leagues. But uh, one league, no runner up bids, seven total bids. Another league, a guy spends three hundred bucks this time of the year on a guy and drop and adds a guy that's out for the season and drops a guy that just came back and gets fourteen games in Coors Field. And then um, the other leagues just pure chaos so fun stuff all around all right curlin that's gonna wrap up another episode of the show any parting thoughts as usual um i i got nothing i'm, I'm just I'm actually i'm watching this i don't know why they're doing it they're letting woodruff pitch the complete game hey you know those points leagues head-to-head points leagues get those complete game points just to really go over the top and prove why head-to-head they're winning leagues. 12 to nothing and they're letting woodruff i guess they don't have to worry about innings or pitch i mean he's still on, okay he, so he's about to be oh that's probably about to be a stupid babbit yep that's a babbit single and it was and a broken bat the, the bullpen got used a lot yesterday too it, it was also a broken game it was a broken bat bloop up the middle that never actually made it out of the infield it was just too slow hit and he could and then woodruff was like falling over and couldn't get, quite get it so doesn't matter. My point being is that it would have been whatever. It's a stupid hit that shouldn't have existed. But yeah, they better they better not score a run. I swear to God, they let them in for the ninth. And come on, man, come on, anyway, come on, man. I'm looking. I just wanted to see where my team because four home runs. My team actually did decent tonight. Let's go. And I'm 41st overall. We're creeping. We're creeping. 41st, Bubba. We're creeping. Don't call it a comeback. I've only been here a year. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're going to wrap it up there. Make sure you all find Mike Curlin on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. I'm on Twitter at BDN Trick. Back with you guys next week to recap another week of Fab and get you ready for the final, 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 almost final, final stretch run of the season and much, much more. Hope you guys have a great one. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 605. Catch you all next time. to 25 times your money this football season test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports just select two or more players pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics and place your entry it's as easy as that if you have the skills you can turn ten dollars 
into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.